Welcome yep. to Karate. Sorry. Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. You got it. <laughs> oh my God, so bad. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. <laughs> okay, just so you know, there's a massive delay, so this is going to sound really funny. Yes. All right. It is uh, Monday, November 2nd, the day before Election Day. Election Day. It's Election Day tomorrow because, dude. I wish Grace Jones was here to say it. Election Day. <laughs> No, this is, she's she's only on. Uh, well, I guess she is on re-election day. Yeah, she says that yeah. stupid. She has that little monologue. You think it's towards the end? I she's guess it's a little, not a monologue. But it's at the, the end, right? No, no. <laughs> I had this song on my head the other day. I wasn't listening to it. It was just in my head. I have it in of, my head most days because of election day. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, yesterday it was announced that uh, Sir Sean Connery passed. And, uh, you know, we're not big dwellers on uh, passings like that, but we, we still like to play tribute. And uh, we decided to pick a, a few movies instead of doing an entire episode on him. So I we picked three movies each, and uh, hopefully you haven't seen them before. If you have, cool, you did revisit them and uh, a lot of fun stuff. My first one is something I saw when I was very young, very, very young. And it's something he did way before he did a Bond movie. And he did a little movie for Walt Disney, live action, called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. This movie is so completely nutty, and it's super fun. And, you know, it's based on, uh, on some kids' uh, kid stories. But there is the banshee. There's a banshee in this. It's, it's actually pretty scary for a little kid to see. Yeah, totally, dude. This movie used to scare the shit out of me. And uh, it's, it's super fun. I don't want to get into it too much in, like, with any of these. Robert Stevenson is... Is the, was the director. Um, he had done his a uh, fair share of uh, of movies that you've seen over the years. Mary oh. Poppins was the big one he did for for them. He did Ben Hobbs and Broomsticks. I mean, he did so much for for them. So you know you're in good hands from the director's side. But Sean Connery is very reminiscent of his character that you see briefly in Time Bandits, and this as far as his look, because it's supposed to take place way back in way back in the day. He, dude, he's so wonderful in this movie. Like, he's super charming. He's the he's the the male lead to the daughter of Darby O'Gill, and Darby O'Gill is basically a dude that's super obsessed with leprechauns. <laughs> that's all there's to do it, and it fits perfectly considering you know the fact that Sean Connery's Scottish, right? <laughs> Get those leprechauns, right? Nineteen fifty nine, man. They didn't know better. Anyway, no. that one, I mean, that's it. That's my first one. Super fun. It is available on Disney Plus right now, which is super cool. It was one of the first things I checked when Disney Plus launched last year, and I was super excited, and it's still there. I just verified before we start recording. So, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Check that out. Fantastic. Uh, my first shot here is going to be uh, 
my, my first Sean Connery toss out is going to be 1972's The Anderson Tapes, uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, uh, starring Sean Connery, Diane Cannon, and a very, 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 very young Christopher Walken. Uh, actually, it might be 1971. That being said, it's, you know, it's it, it's a fun crime caper film. Lumet was at the top of his game. This is a few years before... Uh, Serpco and Dog Day Afternoon, but I mean, the film also stars Marty Balsam, Ralph Meeker, Alan King, Val Avery. I mean, it's a, you know, Garrett Morris. It's a, it's a ro- regular rogues gallery. Together, yeah, a team of specialists pull off a job. So if you like caper films and if you're looking for something that uh, you may not have seen uh, that uh, Connery's very, very, very good in, uh, this was after James Bond. This was, this was shot, I think they shot this immediately after his last. Uh, diamonds are forever um turn as bond so this was uh this was connery sort of you know and it's total 180 from bond so uh you know the anderson tapes uh is my first uh kind of unseen connery so like you know check it out uh, unfortunately you know if you want to stream it not on prime I, I didn't find it anywhere else but you can stream it for 2.99 if you're just in love with sean and you want to you know you want to see something you might not have seen, check it out. The Anderson tapes. There you go. Uh, my second one is, is something that I didn't see until I was a little bit older. And, but boy, did I want to see this? Cause you know, 1981, <laughs> I wanted to see anything that took place in space, like anything. My number two is Peter Himes outland from 1981. I think it was probably like halfway through the movie before I realized what it was, what it was basically a remake of. And it's basically a future remake in space of High Noon. <laughs> I was watching with my dad and I go, hey, dad, what does this movie remind you of? He said, oh, son, it's High Noon. I'm like, oh. And, you know, that's when I started realizing uh-huh. people don't do remakes that are straight. Hey, that was a Western, so let's make a Western remake. I was never, right. I wasn't really privy to the to the the genre bending that you were starting to get with remakes. And I'm realizing as I became more prolific as a writer and storyteller, I'm like, oh my gosh, this has been happening for like a hundred years as far as right. reconstituting storylines. Cause it, you know, how many stories are there again in the world? Seven. Anyway. Seven, seven original stories, just like seven original sins. Yes. Outland is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's basically, I mean, uh, it's, Again, called Outland, and Connery just pay, plays the marshal. I mean, he is, he is the, the 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 sheriff of the town. It literally is a western in space. It's it's no other way of putting it. And if you if you're really very well versed in High Noon, you see every little thing in there, every little nod to it. And it's not cheeky about it. It's it's it, you have to really know wow. the movie to see those little the little things. The bigger sweeping comparisons are there because it's hard to miss, but it's super wonderful. And again, I, I don't think a lot of people have seen it, even though this came out at a time when he wasn't back on the platform yet. People weren't, and people knew who he was, but he wasn't, he hadn't made that resurgence in his career yet that he would get in like five or six years. A little bit with uh, right. Highlander, but really it was the untouchables that brought him back. And I'll get to that one later. Outland on stars right now. Boom. Uh, is that Peter Himes directed? Uh, yes. Outland. P- 
Peter Himes directed. Yeah, right. Okay, I, I couldn't remember if it was Himes or Badham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He wrote, wrote, and directed. Fantastic. All right. Uh, my second Connery film. I switched up on you a little bit, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 1995's Just Cause, um, which was directed by uh, Arnie Glimcher. Uh, but it it uh, it's another crime drama. Uh, you know, it, you get Connery, Lawrence Fishburne, Kate Capshaw, Ed Harris. Uh, you know, Connery plays a, a Harvard professor who's uh, kind of coerced back into the courtroom after 25 years to take on a case of a uh, a young black man who's condemned uh, to death for a murder of a child uh, played played by Blair Underwood. And, you know, and, and as things go in these type of movies, things are never as they seem. But um, it, it's got a really, it's got a really dark tone, and it's it, it, and Fishburne's great in it, and uh, and Connery is, you know, this this is the this is like that resurgence we were talking about earlier of Connery, the uh, you know post uh, Untouchables, uh, yeah. where you know Sean was popping up in all kinds of stuff in the '90s, and, and I really like this movie. Uh, I saw it in the theater, uh, and I've seen it a few times since. Um, Ed Harris gives a really frightening performance and uh yeah it's if you can catch it um you can rent it on prime i, I again unfortunately I, I couldn't find it uh streaming anymore but uh you know if you want to check it out it, it you know it came out on the heels of things like seven uh copycat right. so if you like those films check out just cause you may dig it yeah hollywood was doing that nutty thing for a while right around that time when they were they were trying to make anything in that in that in that <sighs> vein and it was kind of it got yeah. kind of silly but just cause is fantastic larry fishburne is fantastic in it too well since i we mentioned it or i did and we both actually said it now my last one is 1987's the untouchables from brian de palma this movie i, I don't think I, I think when the movie came out it was a little polarizing with the, with the audience people either loved it or they hated it. And the people that seemed to hate it were the ones like, this isn't historically accurate. Dude, shut up, man. <laughs> Just right. Come on. You've got a Ennio Morricone score in it that drives it from the second the movie starts with those incredible title, uh, the incredible opening titles. Right. And oh, to, yeah. the rooftop chase song is the, is the song you hear in the beginning, a rooftop chase that hasn't even happened yet. And that's what they use. It's, that's the cue they use to open the movie, which is tremendous. You know, I feel about Kevin Costner, not my favorite actor in the world, but Sean Connery's presence in this movie forces everybody to raise their game. Like everybody is on point. If you're in a scene with him, he's, Dude, it's something else. And David Mamet, I think, didn't David Mamet do the script? I think so. I believe so. Yeah. I think the screenplay, yes. Yeah, yeah. And dude, the, the, the dialogue sings. The whole movie just works on such a level. And Connery, that first interaction that he and Coster have on the bridge. Yeah. If it wasn't the body the entire movie that got him his best supporting actor, Oscar, for that, it was that scene on the bridge just the two of them being so standoff with each other. And it's brilliant. You instantly understand who Sean Connery's character was in it. You know, you instantly know. And he's just, he's no hard bar. He played Jimmy Malone, you know, an Irish American cop here. He's playing Irish again, by the way. That's great. But he kills, dude. It, he, 
no question he was going to win. Oh, yeah. Because he was so, he was the standout. In 87, dude, 87, this, this movie came out two weeks before I graduated from high school. So, and I, and before I graduated, I think I had seen it like 10 times. I had a friend that worked at the movie theater and I would just go in there and sit in and watch it because it was, it was De Palma. And again, probably the most commercial De Palma you're ever going to see. But it also wasn't his usual fare. His stuff is usually in the thriller category. And this is just a well-paced, dramatic action movie. I mean, I, I use the word action last because it's got enough action in it, you know, bottom line. Sean Connery soars in this movie like he, like anything he's ever done. He's just tremendous in it. And he was rewarded with recognition from his peers and he won an Oscar for Best Supporting in 87. Dude, movie kicks ass. That's it. Untouchables on stars. But quite honestly, you should own it. If you don't own it, watch it on stars now and then order it. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree about any of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the Untouchables is, I mean, it's just loaded with that. Uh, I got to say, uh, it's funny because I, I feel like Costner's, Costner, Costner's, what people think were our weaknesses, play perfectly off of Connery yes. in the Untouchables. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the... Uh, you know, and, and then you get De Niro on top of that, uh, you know, fucking vamping it up as Al Capone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really a movie. I mean, I saw it probably four or five times in a theater. It was one of those movies that all, you know, where you fucking learn everybody, you learn all the lines of the bad guys. You know, you, it's one of those, it's super quotable. Probably. It's funny because Connery won an Oscar for it. Um, I don't know that I'd say it's, I don't know that I'd say it's his best performance, but it certainly is his most, uh, non Connery bond persona performance, which is probably why he got an Oscar. This is who he was up against. He was up against Vincent Gardenia for Moonstruck, which we've talked about recently with a new release coming right. out. Denzel Washington for Cry Freedom. How about that one? Yeah, Albert, Albert crazy. Brooks for Broadcast News. Mm-hmm. And the last one he was up against that that lost to him, and we've talked about it, Morgan Freeman and Street Smart. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to throw it out there, but I was like, ah, I don't want to say it. But yes, I know. Crazy, man. Right. All it, top not so, Dude, all, any one of those could have won. Yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, you know, Connery and Jimmy Malone is, you know, it's iconic. Yeah. He, he's tremendous in it. And that that's all there is to say about it. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to chastise you for it. Just go, you're going to, you're going to love it. Yeah, that's all there is to it. All right. What you got for number all three? Right. My number three choice is, uh, and here's the thing. Uh, this is a movie that's much maligned, but I enjoy the shit out of. Uh, I chose it because it was Connery's last role. And when I say last role, I, I'm not counting a couple voiceover things or like some sort of appearance, uh, you know, in, in, in some TV show you see him for 30 sec for 30 seconds uh, i'm talking about 2003's steven steven norrington's the league of extraordinary gentlemen and I, I enjoy the shit out of this movie uh, you know connery plays alan quartermain um everybody probably knows this movie which is streaming right now on prime so if you want to revisit it but uh, i mean this movie is a lot of fun uh, it, yeah it gets clunky there's some things in it that you know are kind of cringy Overall, it's exactly what it should be. It's a big, loud, concept, gimmicky, uh, sometimes a mess, but still pretty fun movie that uh, I feel like it either just missed its mark, like it was, it came out too soon, or it had to come out too late. 
because it has a lot it, to me it feels like it could have come out at the same time as like the phantom or the shadow uh you know and if you're fans of films like that this is right up your alley uh you also get Stuart townsend uh jason fleming peter wilson you know it, it's it's a lot of fun the, the I, I think it came from a graphic novel right the yeah. league extraordinary gentleman mm-hmm. yeah um, and, and the graphic novel, I remember seeing it and I, I, I'd seen it before. I just wanted to make sure graphic novel was the right term. I had seen it and I knew about it. And then when I found out they were making a movie, a friend of mine, uh, her sister was an editor on some other things and she was cutting it. And uh, I was told, you know, you got to see this. You're going to love it. Because, I, I mean, I'm a Connery fan. So I, I, I've seen everything. I saw Medicine Man twice in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoy this movie. You know, it's not perfect, but he kind of went out. I know some people say, oh, he, you know, but, I, you know, it's kind of, he still went out on top, in, in my opinion. It was a big blockbuster flick, you know, and maybe he punched the director in the face. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> now, here's the thing about the movie. But that's is, the story. And I, I, know, I know people in the, in the malign, the, the, the piss poor reception by some people it hadn't really nothing to do. I mean, the box office wasn't terrible. It was like, I think the budget was like sub yeah. 80 million, right? But I think it did close to like 180 worldwide, which isn't terrible in 2003. It's not blockbuster. But then here's the thing. This movie made up for it because there was still a DVD window back in the day when this movie came out. So they made yeah. their money in, in a big way. We, they still, they probably made their P&A budget back probably, right? Just at least from the box office. And then they made all the oh, real yeah, money, all the real money on the DVD side. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I haven't seen this movie probably in 15 years, something like that. Stephen Norrington makes movies that are, they're digestible. If you know what I'm saying, I, mean, I don't know the way of putting it. They're, you know, they're, they're always worth watching. They're, you know, they're always entertaining. But yeah, this movie was like, like you were pointing out, he was the only real star in it. And they kind of surrounded him with, with faces that were kind of coming up. I mean, like Peta, of course, we kind of know a little bit. Yep. You know, and Stuart Townsend was starting to become a name too, right around the time. Yeah. Stuart Townsend was on the, he was on the upscope. He, I think he had just played Lestat. Yep. In, uh, in the vampire Lestat, uh, Jason Fleming was starting to come to fruition. You know, he was a familiar face from the Guy Ritchie films, right. um, you know, and fun stuff like that. Right. The, same know. thing with Shane West. Shane West was kind of starting to, he was, he, he, did, he did a bunch of television. He was kind of in that mode back when it was a bad thing to be on TV, yep. <laughs> trying to get into movies. Right. Which doesn't exist anymore. Everybody's trying to do the opposite now because that's where all the real fun storytelling is going on these days is on TV. But no, dude, I love, I love The Extraordinary Gentleman when I saw it last. I think it might be a good one on my crack open with Joey. Dude, I think Joey would totally dig the shit out of it. Yeah. And what's cool is he's going to go, who's the old man? And that's going to be fun because he hasn't seen Last Crusade yet. So he's, so I know he's, oh, I know, yeah. I know it'll be a new face for him. He has, you know, I tried to get him to watch Darby O'Gill, but he looks so different between Darby O'Gill because he's, that's, that's old school James Bond days of how he looks then to how he looks in league. But yeah, he looks basically the same way. He's like, so once this, we'll watch this, then we'll all dive into like Medicine Man because Medicine Man breaks my heart, dude. It breaks my heart when I see it. It's like, uh, I don't know. I love John McTiernan so much. And I just feel like that movie had so many problems production wise. And, you know. Yeah, there, you know, it's quite, it's, it's a mess. But when you get That's to that, sure. when you get to that one, because you're getting that, you're getting that ham fisted, hey, the rainforest is getting all fucked because of us. 
and and then the when they slam that whole thing on your hands of as you're hanging on the edge of the building thing your feet dangling hey guess what the cure for cancer is in this rainforest that we're knocking down it's like fuck you dude <laughs> it was just too much right yeah way too much anyway yeah, it's, little, it's way heavy-handed brian koppelman um, he is a screenwriter and producer. Um, he and his uh, writing partner, David Levine, did a movie called, he broke into business with a movie called Rounders, and which is a really fun movie. And he's done some other things along the way as a writer, Runaway Jury. Um, he and David also did um, Ocean's 13, Girlfriend Experience. So they're kind of all over, all over the place. But recently, in 2016, they, both Brian and David, created a show called Billions. And if you haven't seen Billions, it's wonderful, wonderful show on uh, Showtime. Anyway, Brian has a fun podcast and everything, but he's also one of the funnest people as a writer anyway to follow on Twitter. Well, he did a little Twitter thread on Saturday about an experience that he and his writing partner had with Sean Connery. I'm not going to get any more about it. It was a project that never got off the ground, but it's basically a thread of their experience with him with Sean directly working on the script and what happened with the movie itself. It's, it's pretty great. And it's, again, it's only like, it's super quick. I'll put in the show notes because it's like, it speaks to who Sean Connery was and that lore you've always heard about him. It fits right into that, but you can't help but respect the man, the kind of vision he had as an actor. He understood what making a film was about. He wasn't always about, he was about the overall product. And you'll see that in the in the confines of like fifteen um, tweets within that thread. But I'll share that; it's really great. Yeah, that sounds cool. Tomorrow, I, I was just gonna say, <laughs> good. Yeah, tomorrow, good lord. One last note on uh, on Connery. Uh, something that uh, a film I think everybody should see, and you'll probably agree with me. I'm just gonna throw it out as a bonus. That, but it's so hard to find, man. There's not a proper Blu-ray and maybe there's only a shitty DVD release, but in the name of the Rose, man, if you mm -hmm. haven't seen it, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It was almost on my, it was almost my choice. And I thought, Mine no, too. One, no one's going to find this. <laughs> correct. It's, you can't stream it and it, it, there's no, there's not a proper release, but uh, you know, if it comes, if you come across it at some point and you're like, huh, I wonder if this is good. The answer is yes. yes. And you should sit down and, and watch it immediately because it's, it's fantastic. Yes, it is. So tomorrow, <laughs> if you're listening to this on Monday, tomorrow is the day. Um, it's election day tomorrow. And hopefully you've actually already turned in your ballot. If you haven't, please don't mail it in at this point. I mean, I should, probably should have said this last week. It was already too late to mail it two weeks ago. Find a proper Dropbox and drop it off or don't even drop off your ballot. Do it in person um, as far as like, do you, you know, actually fill out your ballot and do it in person. Bottom line is get out of the house and deliver it or don't, and just don't drop it in the mail. It's bad. It's not going to get to where it needs to get. It's not going to get counted, even if it does get there. Yep. This is too important of an election. But like we said before, man, out of our all the decades we've been allowed to vote, this is one that you just doesn't matter. You got to vote this time around. Don't. This is a right. But I think now it's beyond the right. I think it's an obligation. So. Yeah, man, just get out there and vote. I mean, it, look, you're going to probably have to brave the polls. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it really does matter. I mean, everybody's vote. I know that they say it always matters, but it's never mattered as much as it does now. Right. And as we've said before, electoral college kind of 
makes most of the states kind of already spoken for, but that's why the smaller states have such an impact. And the impact really is reflected on popular vote. So please do it. But the most important thing beyond the limitations of electoral college and what your vote doesn't mean as much there, means as much, if not more, with the local stuff. You know, if you're talking about states, if you're talking about Congress, you're talking about the Senate, it matters. And if you're unsure, if you're just looking at the, your ballot right now and you're thinking, oh man, that's, I don't know who that person is, but they sound good. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just don't vote. If you don't know, if don't you, fill in the box. If you don't fill in the box. It's You're, you're, you're allowed to not vote. You're not, you don't have to. You don't have to you vote on any vote. particular, you don't have to vote for any particular thing. You can literally just vote for president and drop it. You don't have to do more than that. If you're unsure, you're better off not doing it. And that happens a lot. You know, people think you have to have a complete ballot. So you don't. This isn't a, this isn't a test. This isn't a bubble test. It's not, you're not, yes, you're not being scored. You're not yeah. going to not get into college. Right. Again, if you no, don't This is no. something that actually really does matter. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if you want to follow us on social media, <laughs> you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you want to support us on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow Freddie, you could follow me at Raven Chaddock on Twitter, Rock and Roll of 33 on your Instagram, or at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody. Cody.